Martha has been to Bible study and worship every Sunday of her life, give or take. And through grace and prayer and daily devotion, she's become a seasoned Christian. She knows the Lord's Prayer by heart. She can tell you uh, from memory Psalm 23, Psalm 121, and a dozen other verses and passages from her champion Bible drill days. She's one of the church's most dependable volunteers. We know from Luke's account that she gets frustrated sometimes when others on the kitchen team get distracted. (laughs) Mary, get in here and help me. I know he's the son of God, but these onions are not going to chop themselves. (laughs) Martha, Martha, Jesus gently corrects her. You are worried and distracted by many things. But today in John's account, she couldn't be more focused. Her brother Lazarus has died. If Jesus had been there, he would not have died. And she lets Jesus know it. For if practical Martha's seen one funeral, she's seen them all. The dead in her experience do not tend to come stumbling out of their tombs alive. Then to the astonishment of everyone at the visitation, Jesus cries out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And Lazarus comes out from his tomb, still bound and staggering. He is breathing. He is walking. He is alive. But Mary who already believed in the resurrection, is just as slack-jawed as all of her neighbors. Step back with me to the moments leading up to this amazing sign. This is the seventh and final sign John reports in his gospel account. In fact, John's gospel is divided in sort of two books, a book of signs and then a book of glory. We're here right on the, the cusp the hinge between the two books. There have been seven signs thus far. The first, Jesus turning water into wine uh, at the wedding at Cana. Second, he heals a royal's official son. Third, he heals a sick man by the pool. Then he feeds the 5,000 people. Then he walks on water. The sixth sign is the man born blind heals him with a muddy paste. This brings us to this sign, this seventh and final sign, raising Lazarus. This is the context for Mary's scolding Jesus for taking his sweet time getting to Bethany. Remember that part. She knew the, the power that he had. She's seen the signs. She knew he could heal people. She she knew he had power to avert death as long as he get there on time so she sent a telegram which jesus received we have record of jesus getting the text read receipts on his text we know he got the message then he promptly waited two days if you'd been here 
You could have cured him while he was sick. And he'd be standing here with us and he'd be helping me with dinner. I called you, you didn't pick up. Don't act like you didn't get my voicemail. What's the use of being best friends with somebody if you can't come and heal them and you know how to heal them? I just kind of imagine like a Holly Hunter type character. Just... <laughs> Jesus says, your brother will rise again. Mary doesn't need convincing about this, the resurrection. She's been witness to his signs. She knows Jesus' power. She believes his teaching. I know that he will rise again in the, in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus isn't referring to the last day. He's referring to the next hour. He's re referring to now. He's referring to the present. By raising a four-day dead Lazarus, he demonstrates God's present power over death. With his seventh sign, Jesus reveals a new dimension of resurrection. Resurrection is not only a promise we anticipate, a day that we look forward to. Resurrection is not merely the end, the telos, the end of our faith. The power of resurrection now folds back from the future into the present. Here, Jesus reveals a kind of short-sightedness about resurrection with which every Christian struggles sometime in our life. We who are seasoned Christians, we're Mary. We who hope in the resurrection on the last day have still more to learn about God's power over death. Jesus' raising of Lazarus begs a crucial question then. What little resurrections are we overlooking in the present as a result of our faithful farsightedness? We see resurrection coming on the horizon. I know it. I believe it in my heart. I, I recite it. I know the Apostles' Creed. I believe in the resurrection. What resurrections are happening beside us? Within us? Isn't it both strange and wonderful then? Isn't it such a marvelous thing that just when we thought we'd wrapped our minds around God, I don't know anything else in my life, but I know that's true. I know the resurrection is true, and I'm looking forward to that day. But isn't it such a marvelous thing that just when we thought we'd wrapped our minds around just this one thing, even what is likely our most crucial and central belief about the God of Jesus Christ, there's another deep well beckoning us to explore. I remember being in New Orleans four years ago, about this time of year, just on the other side of Easter Sunday and uh, still in the Easter season. It was springtime and new life and warmer temperatures and longer days. And I had just been preaching sermons, holding up the resurrection. I'm sure of it. I could check my records. But there's preaching resurrection and then they're seeing signs of it, feeling it. We went on a walking tour of a Lafayette Cemetery, number one. It's the one from uh, Double Jeopardy, the, the movie fame. There came a jazz 
funeral. And now I'd heard about these and seen about these. Pictures, TV. But there they came. There was a real one, a real jazz funeral. And on the, on the way in, the music was sadder. I didn't know that part. Kind of sad on the way in. Dirge, funeral, march. But on the way out, we could have just as been easily at an act at Jazz Fest. When the saints go marching in, and the rhythm picked up, and they were marching, and surrounded all sides by above-ground tombs, you cannot escape the scene of death. And didn't they just lay someone down in one of these tombs? This is no way to walk away from a grave. But they danced away and back down Washington Avenue from whence they came. And my heart beat to the rhythm of the brass band. And the thought crossed my mind, death has got to hate this. Death, capital D. What little resurrections are happening beside us? Little signs of resurrection. Look right over them because we're looking at the horizon and missing them right here. Charlotte Pastor John Cleghorn, he tells the story of Johnny Johnson. I assume that's his real name. Johnson, uh, Johnny Johnson is a banker by profession. He grew up a Christian, born in the church, church every Sunday, he said. He said, church was just what you did on Sunday. He's just one of those guys. Many of you have been that person. But then Johnny came out. He came out, discovered more about himself, came out to friends and family. And uh, this was at the height of the AIDS epidemic, 1980s, his friends, people he knew, dying, being overlooked, left alone, pushed to the margins. And the church was silent, he said. I got very angry and I left the church. I didn't leave God. I still prayed occasionally, but I did not come to church. I did not support the church. Years later, a friend invited me to church, and I came kicking and screaming. Then I cried, he said, for the entire hour. He said, the church is, this church is for everybody. It's black and white, and it's gay and straight, and it's rich and poor, and I think my identity, my, my gifts... I, I am an asset here. I'm free to be me. And the thought crosses my mind. There goes Lazarus, stumbling out of the tomb, pulling off his strips of cloth. Death has got to hate that. There's a church that I admire in Chapel Hill called the Church of the Holy Family, and they have a practice of carrying the bodies of their dead back into the sanctuary and placing them on the baptismal font. Their baptismal font is out ahead. It's over to the side. It's a kind of pool with a wall around it, large enough, sturdy enough to place a coffin on. And so that's what they do. They bring their dead into the sanctuary. They place them, their coffin, their body in ancient tradition back in the place where they were born and where they had already died with Christ. 
And the congregation gathers to remember this child of God, and they carry her to the place where she has already died, already been raised to walk a newness of life. The connection cannot be lost on anyone. She has died, but she is alive to God. I am convinced that death hates that. By the way, side note, I think it's a good practice in this case to, as Tom Long says, habeas corpus at a funeral. Have a body. Bring the body in. Don't leave it only to others to care for. We care for the body. This is the ancient practice. We take the body of the dead, our friend, our brother, our sister, our, our family, and we walk with them all the way to the end and sing with them all the way to the end. Don't, don't sterilize my funeral service. If I, if I go, I want you all to know, you've heard it here first, Habeas corpus, have a body. Wash my body and wrap it in a baptismal robe. I don't need a suit. Wrap me in a shroud or a baptismal robe and lay me down before my people. And then carry me with singing and laughter through your tears to my final resting place. That, that's a Christian hope. It's a Christian practice that goes all the way back to the back, to the beginning. We surround each other like that all the way to the end. I know death has got to hate that. And each time we aggravate death, we give the world a little sign of what's to come, a sign of resurrection and the life. And that's who Jesus is says he is today. That really is the seventh sign. What Jesus says at all these signs and the corresponding truth he tells us today is I am the resurrection and the life. And so next time we see Lazarus, we don't see him filling his bucket list. Now that he knows what it's like to die and his days are numbered, he's not bungee jumping and, and visiting the, the great pyramids and going all over the place. No, where is, where is he to be found? At a table. He's with Jesus. He's with his family and his friends. He's living the life that really is life. And I know death has just got to hate that. Jesus said this is a sign, but this is also a promise for each one of you. John 5, 28. Do not be astonished at this, for the hour is coming when all who are in their graves will come out and they hear His voice. And on that day, death will be no more, and mourning and crying and pain will be no more. And death will have had his last victory and be thrown into the lake of fire. And you know how I think we're going to feel on that day and in that moment? Like something familiar has happened. 